0: So, my name's Tom, I'm the senior pastor, and this is Lindsay. She's with me. Hi. And uh, so... She
1: say she's with me.
0: Yeah, she's with me. <laughs> or I'm with her, more on that, on that front. Mm-hmm. And um, we are in week three of our vision series, and this is where we have kind of laid out the, what are we about, how can you be a part of it, and where we are going. And I asked Lindsay to come up. And help me with this one because on the where we are going part is uh, involves kind of the, the family of God. And we as the the family uh, uh, that helps lead this church, I thought it was important for us to share this message. So this is going to conclude the, the vision series because next week is Advent, um, which is kind of a stunner, right? And uh, so... On your seats are uh, some invite cards to our series called uh, In the Dark Streets Shineth. And this is a, a series where we're going to be taking a look at kind of the music and the, the vibe that surrounds Christmas uh, and kind of taking a deep dive into that In looking at in kind of in the midst of darkness, how can we bring the light of Christ to the community? So please take a few of those and invite some friends and family to that. It also has our Christmas Eve services, which, Justin, which, which day is Christmas Eve? 24th, okay, Ooh. so... Um, yeah, It's a
1: Saturday night, y'all.
0: It's a Saturday night, yeah, so um, make sure you're here with us for that. So, why, um, why why, are we doing this here today?
1: I'm so glad you asked. Yeah. Um, full disclosure, doing a co-message with your spouse, it's hard. Because we end up stealing each other's lines or throwing each other off. And then sometimes I think he does it on purpose. So, um, but... Hmm. A little bit. A little bit. It happened last service. <laughs> but anyways, uh, why are we doing this? So it's really important for us as uh, leaders here at the church to show you that, one, we are a family, uh, a body of Christ here as a church family, but also you are being led by by a family, um, by many families. Actually, just not Tom and I, but Justin and Sarah and, and Emily and her husband. And so um, now that we're kind of like Tom was saying, getting close to Thanksgiving, if you're not aware like this week, and you're going to be hanging out with family, probably, or maybe friends gathering around a table, and so we wanted to have a, kind of a more informal conversation about what it's like as believers to come around a table together, um, also to talk a little bit about uh, the wrapping up the vision of the church, uh, Tom's sermon series the last few weeks, and basically where we were and where we're headed, and having that discussion Together as believers.
0: Yeah. So last weekend we talked about kind of how you can be a part of it, but also we had a, a business meeting, which you know we you know, you vote in the budget and the, the bylaws and the board members and all that kind of stuff. Super exciting. It's very exciting. But we got to talk about kind of where we were. Everybody kind of in a business meeting always says like, "How are we doing?" and I got in a little bit into that, and Lindsay thought it would be good to bring that forward to the congregation as a whole. And there's some things that you made note of during that during that meeting last week.
1: Yeah, so this is going to be like a little just facts section of the message. Um, there were things brought up in the business meeting that I it dawned on me that we we've been around Eastridge for a while, but if you're newer here, so like last six months to a year, you may not know about the building or about our property. So. Uh, first of all, Eastridge, um, it's so over 125 years old,
0: right? Yeah, 132,
1: 132 to be exact. It was birthed out of Bethel Baptist, uh, congregation on fourth street, right?
0: Yeah. That, right. that was the third building. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: So about a little over a hundred people built this property, this building back in 2000. And I can remember some, some of them are still here with us today and hopefully even in the congregation. And I can remember talking to one of them in particular and them just telling me how much they prayed over this place and really, truly had this great desire to let it be God's, let it be fulfilled by God's. And so we're just extremely grateful that they had the foresight and the discernment to listen to God's plan and to put Eastridge where it is. We sit on 25 acres, if you're not aware. Um, It starts, so Chester Creek starts back yonder in these woods. And we have from Chester Creek all the way up into the orthodontist driveway is our space. And we just feel really fortunate of, of where we are and where we've been positioned today because that kind of leads into the, the growth piece that we've been seeing as well. Um, do we want to go there now? Sure. Yeah. Okay, let's go yeah. there. So we we don't want to spend a whole lot of time talking about, you know, kind of like the the COVID years, the pre-COVID years. But the reality is, is that we are extremely fortunate here at Eastridge. I mean, we're growing. We grew through COVID. Most churches in the United States walked back in after they could reopen up to about 60% of their congregation. So they lost about 40%. Uh, I think when Eastridge opened back up, we looked about of our congregation returned to us, and now I would say we're sitting at about 110% of where we were pre-COVID, which is just incredible. Um, We just feel so grateful what God is doing because of of our obedience, because of your obedience. And you had shared a story that really resonated with me at the business meeting about the little Lutheran church.
0: Yeah, you know, when you think about kind of the past few years and what it's done to churches and churches had to shift and shift quickly and we were blessed and fortunate enough that um, we had a board and a leadership team Our kind of our motto is pack light, move quick and so we were able to uh, through a lot of hard work from our staff, especially Justin, to kind of go online, very you know, like within three days, uh, to make all the mitigation efforts and do all the things that we needed to do. But um, we were well positioned for that because we were, a, you know, a kind of a, a younger congregation, but also a church that was already doing some a lot of things online, anyways. And it always. Um, I always think of that little Lutheran church of those faithful people that were there for all of those years that had no capacity to go online, had no idea how to do it, didn't know how to give online, didn't know how to, and they got hit hard because they also didn't reopen very quickly because they were an older congregation as well. And I just think of their faithfulness through the midst of that. And then they walk back uh, into their church and there's about half of them left. And so you're going to begin to see kind of this process of um, mergers and closures and all of that stuff that COVID didn't necessarily cause, but it it accelerated. And what is happening at Eastridge is the inverse of that in that where since we were able to switch so quickly... Uh, and be responsive and do the things we did. We we've grown as a family, not just in numbers, but also in depth and and in joy and engagement and excitement. It, it's really kind of a different church now than it was three four years ago. Yeah.
1: And I wanted him to speak into that because um, one thing when I was listening to that story, it, it it breaks my heart to think about other churches maybe struggling or declining. And the reality is is They're not our competition. They're our brothers and sisters as well. And so I just felt very compelled. This isn't a message about, like, oh, look how great Eastridge is doing. No, this is a message about, like, look how God has blessed us and how can we use it to better serve our community. How can we be praying for other churches during this time? Um, We're all on the same same team here.
0: Yeah, and other churches are not our competition. Um, Target is. And that, and Tom um,
1: hates Target, so I'm sorry, sorry, Caitlin. Let's,
0: let's, yeah, let's make Target bigger and have less parking spots. That's my, um, so let's make it worse. I'm gonna
1: turn your mic off, yeah. Right.
0: Um, So that's that's my personal beef of the day. Uh, I
1: love the new Target personally, but yep,
0: just a hundred less spots. So, um, anyways, but that's where we are, and kind of. What we're about is making heaven crowded. And, you know, like today, you're going to see 20, like 20 dedications, six baptisms, uh, really kind of a phenomenal, phenomenal day. But as a family, uh, we are growing around kind of this, this table. And I wanted to land this message, especially right before Thanksgiving, because maybe you're getting ready to go to a dinner table. Uh, and maybe you're really looking forward to it. Lindsay and I this afternoon will be, and with the kids, uh, can't leave them. Uh, we'll be getting in the car and making our way to Cincinnati. We haven't been back there in, in a few years to, to see my brothers. And my brothers and I are very different uh, personality-wise, but also just spiritually as well. And uh, this table has different seats in it. And some seats will have, you know, babies and infants and toddlers and teenagers and grown-ups. And the difficult part of the church is there's also spiritual infancy, there's spiritual maturity, and how we as a congregation can craft messages, but craft discipleship, craft worship, and to make it so that if this is your first time ever encountering Jesus, you can engage but if this is your 30th year of, you know, biblical depth and worship, you can also engage. And Paul speaks, not Paul, sorry. The writer of Hebrews speaks about that um, in Hebrews 5. So that, that That's your cue. All right,
1: I'm going to try it on my phone this time. Actually, no, I'm going to read the screen. Yes. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though, by this time you ought... To be teachers, and you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil.
0: So the task of the church is to, yes, spiritual infants and, and physical infants. Need milk to start and where it gets difficult is if you never move beyond that and that's where the church really kind of has to come in and challenge and provide opportunities to to grow into you know more easier to consume food, but then you, but you can't stay there. You have to be in development and in process, but also if you're over here, not despising the spiritual infants that are over here because you were once there as well. And we're always trying to find the next generation behind us to reach and grow and, and gather. Cause everybody's welcome at this table, regardless of what you eat. But here's the issue is at this table, and maybe you're going to have this at Thanksgiving Maybe it's like your first time being around your family again for the past couple years or you're not the most excited about it. Is there people at your table that you don't necessarily agree with? And so what are the what are the two things you're not supposed to talk to talk about at the Thanksgiving dinner table? Politics and religion, right? And why? It's because we are so polarized that we've decided, you know what, it is not even worth Talking about faith or politics because I still want to call you my brother or sister And it it is a bit of a cop-out in that like we've determined that there are things we can no longer discuss Because we've turned disagreement into into dysfunction that we can't even begin uh, uh, That topic is we can't even talk about it anymore in reality we've lost the ability to gather around the table and disagree, but still be family. Because, and I'm convinced of this, the, the polar opposites uh, on the one side or the other have the loudest microphones, while the 80% of us in the radical middle are just trying to live our life. And we're just trying to raise our kids right, And we're just trying to teach them the truth of God. And we're just trying to be who Jesus wants us to be. However, we're not very well represented. and So we think we're in the minority. But in reality, I think we've just lost the ability to talk. And so where we are going is not to shrink back from difficult conversations. And what does it mean for you to gather around the table?
1: Good question. Yeah. Okay. So when I think about gathering around the table, the first thing that I think about is you're coming to a place where you're vulnerable. Like I hope when I sit at a table with my family or my friends, it's a place of excitement and joy. But it's also a place like when you sit and eat in front of someone, it's not always pretty, right? Let's be honest. And you're being, when you sit down and you break bread with someone, which is represented in the Bible many times, You're it's coming to a place of humility and vulnerability. So it's a place that... Although now we might have to keep things off limits, Mm -hmm. it is a place that you should be able to discuss those things in a loving way. Because if I'm inviting you over to sit at my table, that means I care for you. I I love you. And I'm inviting you into this kind of almost sacred place in my home, which is eating a meal together.
0: Yeah. And... And your family might be one thing where you can't talk about those things, but the church ought to be a place where we can bring our questions, where we can bring our doubts, where we can bring our our fears, and maybe some of the stuff that we don't fully understand and say, hey, it's okay. Let's let's talk about it. And so there's a place in Athens uh, called Mars Hill, and Paul stands up in front of this group, and he delivers this message. Now remember, this is Greek gods. He's standing in front of a whole mess of idols, and he stands up and delivers this gospel message. And do you want to, to read that part? and, I and can, but I'm still your Bible. Okay, well, it's gonna be up there too. There you go. All
1: right. Okay, I lied. I'm gonna use the screen. Paul then stood up in a meeting. <laughs> of the arrow and said people of athens i see that in every way you are very religious for as i walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship i even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown god so you are ignorant of the very thing you worship and this is what i'm going to proclaim to you
0: here stop there um I'll, I'll go back to that verse so I'm not interrupting you I just want to say here's the the context of this Paul is standing up, and they're, they're so worried that maybe they forgot a God that they just say, hey, we're just going to call one miscellaneous, okay? And so we're going to have an altar. This, this covers us just in case there's one that we don't know about yet. Miscellaneous, this is the unknown God. So he's standing in front of idolatry. You can go ahead.
1: The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations, he's talking about Abraham, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times and histories and the boundaries of their lands. God did see this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. And some of you own po- of your own poets have said we are his offspring.
0: And so he, he's basically saying everything that you've built is kind of foolish. Everything that all this unknown gods that's cool and everything but there's this God who made everything. And what you have built, all of these temples, all of these idols, it's kind of foolish. Now what would you think the response is going to be to that? So he, he didn't shrink back from standing in front of idols and saying, yeah, but there's Jesus. And where we are going is, I think the issue of our time is defining truth. And I've been talking about this for at least a year now. And I'm more convinced of it. If we don't define the truth, somebody else will. And it will be outside of biblical truth. And so they hear this, and they hear about the resurrection of the dead, and some of them sneer in verse 32, and others said, we want to hear more. Now, he's standing in front of all of these powerful gods, and he's saying, yes, but did you hear about the God that died? Did you hear about the God that died and was resurrected? And so some of them laugh, like, what kind of God is this? You know we have all of these all of these gods that are more powerful that have lived forever, and you know. And he says, "Yeah, but what about the God that died?" So some of them sneer, some of them laugh and mock and reject, and others, though, said, "We want to hear more." Where we are going is churches have a decision to make. Because we have a fear of being rejected. We have a fear of being sneered at by proclaiming the truth. So we can decide to just not talk about it. Because we don't want to be rejected. It's not fun to be rejected or mocked or laughed at. But if you do that, you lose the opportunity for the second part of this verse where it says, There were some that said, we want to hear more. And so the churches that decide not to stand in front of idolatry and proclaim the truth of the gospel will never get to hear, let's hear more. Because we look exactly like the world then. We're milk. It's nice, it's fluffy, easy entry, but we never get into the more difficult conversations. And We don't. We know we have idols today. We don't have big statues of our idols. I mean, there is a golden bull in Wall Street, but we also have idols of of wealth, of fame, of
1: being right,
0: being right, popular, being popular, having the perfect life, or at least proclaiming the perfect life. Um, We have idols of of politicians. We have idols of of. our jobs and everything like that. And we need to stand up in front of that and say, yeah, but have you heard about Jesus? And go back to verse 32 for me. Some will sneer. And we have to be okay with that. Because if we don't proclaim this truth, someone else will. And it won't be the biblical truth. It'll be some... Nonsense that, that we are kind of swimming in the soup of right now because the church has shrunk back and has not been as bold as it ought to be. Paul is standing up in front of all of these Greek gods and saying, yeah, no. And we're afraid to stand up in front of all of the gods of our day and go, yeah, no. He will be thrown in prison after this. He'll be thrown in prison multiple times, but he was willing to be bold in the midst of this. So that's where we're heading is boldness.
1: And just speaking into that, one thing that's really kind of resonating with me as we did the message last uh, service, and even now listening to Tom talk is the word obedience. Um, when we, when we look at what we've experienced in our own lives with our faith journey, what we're seeing here at Ridge is God's blessing, but because of our obedience, but I got to tell you, like, obedience is not easy, and obedience stings sometimes. And when you're, that, when you're that person or you're that church that isn't doing the popular thing or starts to look different than society, it can be hard, right? And earlier in Hebrews, before the scripture that we read, it talks about Jesus learning trusting obedience through his sorrow and prayers, and then God dedicated him into a high priesthood because he was so obedient, because he then became the high priest, which gave us eternal life. And so I look at that and go, that's our model. That's our model for obedience as a person, as a church. And it's cool to think about that, there, that society will have the opportunity to look at us and be like, okay, I may not like what you're doing right away, or I may not even understand it. But you're different. And I'm, I'm kind of curious what that, that's all about. What I see you. What is that?
0: And that's the choice. Do we want to be different? Do we want to proclaim the truth or do we want to blend in? And blending in is easier. But blending in does not get that, that second question where somebody says, can I hear more? Proclaiming the truth is hard. Living the truth is even harder. It's way easier just to blend in what society would have you believe or have you follow, but that's not what I think any of us want for our kids. Hey, when it got hard, we modified, we gave this up. When it got really complicated or difficult, we stopped talking about that. We got really muddy, squishy. And I can't read Paul standing up in front of, In Athens and say He wants us to be squishy He wants us to stand up for the truth And that's Where we are heading And what's crazy is the churches that do that Are the ones that are reaching more people For Christ than, than ever And the churches that get squishy What look we get, fluffy. get fluffy Look like the rest of society So we have to stand out And that is going to be complicated. But we have to make heaven crowded because that is our vision. In order to make heaven crowded, we have to reach people with the truth. Got anything else? I was going to pray. Okay.
1: All right. Are you good?
0: I'm good. I got to go change for baptisms.
1: Oh, yeah, that's you. Stick around. Heavenly Father, uh, we just thank you for this opportunity to have this conversation. Um, To be in a situation where um, you're blessing us as a congregation. We're watching growth, God. I mean, 20 kids getting baptized, or sorry, dedicated, and six baptisms. How, how grateful are we, God, that you've appointed this place to do your will? And so, as Tom said, our goal, no matter how we go about it, is to make heaven crowded, God. And we're so just excited to be able to see that representation today. And Father, we're excited for the future. We're excited for the upcoming months as we walk into Advent, God. And we just hand it all over to you. May it be glorifying to you, Lord. And your will be done here. We pray all this in your name. Amen.